BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk. Ladies and gentlemen, it's as if the floodgates have opened for increased tyranny against our constitutional republic and the push for world government, global government. I mean, just take a look at the aggressive agenda of the World Health Organization the World Economic Forum, and the United Nations practicing sovereignty as a nation, it just does not fit into their plan. I mean, have you noticed the worldwide push towards a central bank digital currency, going cashless, digital ID verification systems, vaccination passports, surveillance cameras on the increase, the use of artificial intelligence, the push to fulfill the objectives of Agenda 2030? Further, as we've indicated on a recent crosstalk about the World Parliament of Religions convening, where all the religions were welcome, just had the big meeting in the Chicago area. All the religions are welcome, but there was special scorn toward one religion, evangelical Christianity. Well, our guest today has been monitoring these types of issues for decades, and back with us today to share his perspective of what's taking place, we welcome back Gary Ka. He is the founder and director of Hope for the World, editor of Hope for the World Update. He's an author and former Europe and Middle East trade specialist for the state of Indiana. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Jim. It's always a pleasure to be with you. You know, Gary, I shared just a microcosm in my introduction of what's going on today, but the United States of America is is to be unique. We're to be different from the rest rest of the world. We're this constitutional republic, um, yet more and more people have the feeling of just kind of being a, a stranger in our own country as we see our nation in decline. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're looking at it uh, financially, politically, culturally, spiritually, um, it's not unfair to say we're coming undone as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the silver lining in all of this is that more and more people are waking up. Uh, I just wish it would have happened 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but discerning people, common sense people, are seeing something is not right, and there is an agenda driving this. It's not a coincidence. It's not happenstance that all these things are are happening. And, and so you have to ask the question where... Where's all of this going, and 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 why? Mm-hmm. And um, we're at a point now where almost every power center of our federal government is really under the control of a um, a godless majority dedicated to the cause of global government. Uh, that's not an unfair statement. Uh, you look at Washington, and it's a mess. And and the few representatives we have who are taking a strong stand, and uh, a few of the Supreme Court justices, you know, they're uh, trying to push back, but it's it's gone so far down the pike, it's it's just almost impossible mm-hmm. to turn things around politically. Yeah, I mean, we we look at you know every every uh, cabinet level office has gone down this pathway. We see the educational systems, uh, you know, homeland security, the border crisis, certainly what's going on uh, within even the realm of the environment, so called and and uh, energy and so forth, it, it is all pushing us down this path. And matter of fact, you indicate those leading us down this path at, at its very core is a Luciferic-driven deception. Did you really mean that? Yeah, I mean, th- this is a demonic worldview that has taken shape, that's trying to push us into a, a, a global governance situation with top-down control, where we would lose most of our freedoms eventually all of our freedoms. Uh, But in the beginning, uh, they make it sound good Mm -hmm. by the government taking care of this and and that, and um, you can sit back and and just take it easy and things will fall into place, and and we see now where that's getting us. Um, But we've taken a a couple of huge steps towards socialism through the whole COVID mess, and uh, a lot of people, especially young people, got used to staying at home and getting paid to, to be at home, and they liked it. And and I think COVID, more than anything, has just put all of this and in, in, in fast forward. Um, and, I, and I think Trump's presidency as well drew a lot of these forces out of the woodwork. 
um, they couldn't stand him to the point where they had to publicly express their dismay. It's like they couldn't stay quiet anymore. So everything that was going on behind the scenes for quite some time, it, it, it just came out. It surfaced. And I, and, and I think that's an important point because many people, as you pointed out, since it's COVID, or I should say our response to COVID, how we handled this as a nation, many have had their eyes open to see you know, what appears to be sudden changes now, but but, Gary, you actually believe we've been on this course for a long time. We stopped being a, a true republic a long time ago. That's right. I mean, back in the 1980s, when I worked uh, for then uh, Lieutenant Governor John Mutz in Indiana as the Europe and Middle East Trade Specialist, I, I traveled all around the world uh, dealing with our embassies in over 20 different countries, promoting exports from our state. So I got an, an international look at things and uh, from largely from the perspective of, of our State Department, because these are the people I dealt with. You know, our embassies are run by the State Department, ultimately. And already back then, many of them had this globalist worldview. You know, they didn't see anything wrong with an empowered U.N. and increasingly coming under the authority of the U.N. And what surprised me, moving in those circles and then later being a volunteer uh, in another organization, um, was how entrenched these people are and how long they've been in. I remember hearing uh, a speech by one gentleman. This was in 1989. He had worked as a key advisor in every administration, Democrat or Republican, since FDR. And he was up in his 70s, still active in Washington. And it, it gave me some insight into how Washington works. You know, presidents come and go. But the bureaucracy, the enormous bureaucracy that is in place, stays largely in place. And, you know, Trump ran on the campaign on the platform that he's going to drain the swamp. But it didn't matter who he got rid of at the top. The next person who would step up from below that position was just as bad. And that's one reason it's called the deep state. It runs deep. And in, in um, the last presidential election, literally 95% of people living in Washington, D.C., voted left progressive. That's 19 out of every 20. So when you're walking down the street in Washington, D.C., uh, 19 out of every 20 people voted for a far-left uh, agenda. Um, that, that's sobering. And these are the people running our country now, this, this huge bureaucracy of hundreds of thousands of government employees in place. And thank God for those who don't go with the flow, who take a stand, but it's a mighty lonely place because it's dominated by these people with a, a very one-world, left-leaning, socialist, in some cases borderline communist worldview, and they're trying to force that upon us. And they don't like Christians. We stand in their way. And um, from their perspective, and, and so that explains a lot, too, of some of the things I, I sensed way back in the 1980s already. And um, I was around when, uh, in, in one of these organizations, I'm not going to name it publicly, um, but I was in an organization at the time when uh, the first George Bush was president, and he signed a lot of executive orders providing more and more power to these types of people. And um, it was around that time that my book came out, as as you recall, Jim. Mm -hmm. You've you've been there from right from the the beginning, from yes. the early nineties, mm -hmm. and to see how this has moved forward, uh, but now especially in the last four or five years, it, it, it's really amazing. They planned and planned and planned. It was a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Now all at once, yeah, they're it's like, lunging forward. And like an accelerant's been added to everything mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you're right when when someone tried to stop certain aspects of this global nature, you know, global governance taking place in the last presidency, uh, everyone is coming out of the woodwork in every every realm, and certainly they do not want to see. Uh, Donald Trump back into the presidency again. They know the opposition they had before, and uh, there is a lot happening behind the scenes to even stop that from even being a possibility. Yeah, and, and then there's just the plain all-out corruption. You know, mm -hmm. you look at all of the congressional investigations and evidence of lies, yep. deception, corruption, uh, including the Russia collusion hoax. That whole thing was fabricated, and most of the people involved... Uh, 
not just on the fringes, but I mean involved. There were dozens of people that knew this was fabricated. And it influenced an, an election, no question about it, and yet not one person has been prosecuted. I mean, there ought to be at least 20 or 30 people in jail right now, but nothing. And, and so, you know, when, when you've got a, a situation like we do in Washington where most of these people are on the same page together, uh, don't look for things to uh, change much in the, in the months ahead, unfortunately. Gary Kahn is with us today from Hope for the World. Uh, Gary, we're going to look at some examples of what's taking place, and uh, there's so much we could draw from, but we're going to start with the the whole matter of uh, so-called climate change and how this is being weaponized. I mean, we actually have those that are pushing the president right now to, uh, to declare a national emergency based on our weather changing. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Um I I just did an article. Uh, it's titled "No Longer a Republic," and people can actually go to our website GaryCod.org and take a look at this uh, article uh, where I document these upcoming meetings. Uh, one of them has already taken place since I I just got this article out last week. Um, but these meetings, Jim, if if everything gets implemented over the next 12 to 13 months Mm -hmm. that these people have in store, uh, our country won't be recognizable uh, pretty soon. Uh, They want to get all this implemented by the end of 24. So by the end of 25, once this has had a chance to to actually um, be experienced, um, if they have their way, uh, you know, it's going to be a completely different country. And much of this, as you mentioned, is taking place in the name of climate change. So I'm just going to, uh, until you stop me, I'm just going to walk through these these meetings and let listeners know what they've got planned. Um, and as, as you know, I never set dates. I think it's stupid to do that because there is the God factor. Things can happen. Things can get pushed back. But by looking at what our adversaries have planned, it gives us a, a good idea of how to prepare and, and, and what, what to expect and how to oppose uh, some of these developments. So the first meeting took place uh, on the 18th and 19th of last week in New York. And uh, it was the Sustainable Development Goals Summit, the SDG Summit. Um, it marked the beginning of a new phase of accelerated progress. The, their words, the UN's words, accelerated progress towards the sustainable development goals with high-level political guidance on transformative and accelerated actions leading up to 2030. Direct quote, it's all about 2030. That's their goal, and of course that's the same as the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, their Great Reset goals. It's all about 2030, and so they're officially now launching their final push, the seven-year period leading up to uh, 2030. And throughout this quote, uh, they they name uh, 2030 at least three times. Uh, Gary, then, let, me, let me just interrupt you here because we're just 20 seconds of the break, and I don't want that quote to get interrupted here. But, uh, friends, Gary's walking us through this and how climate change is being utilized, how they are weaponizing that and putting forth some powerful, powerful U.N. agendas that are coming forth. The most recent summit just being held a week ago, and there's more to come. So, uh, friends, you're going to want to take some notes. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and come back to more. Gary Ka is with us today. And, again, his website is GaryKa.org. Ka is spelled K-A-H. GaryKa.org. Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, creation seminar speaker at the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, did man come from the chimpanzee? Chris, according to evolution, chimps and man came from a hypothetical ape-like common ancestor, the so-called missing link. Recently, an evolutionist claimed he found clues that the common ancestor of chimps and man walked upright. Therefore, the chimps who live in trees had ancestors which walked upright on the ground. Was evolution from the tree down or from the ground up? Chris, I don't think either ever happened. But you can see the links to which evolution must go to salvage their theory and try to accommodate new evidence. Chris, the evidence doesn't support evolution at all. Apes and men were created as is back in Genesis. There have been minor variations in both, but no evolution. To find out more about creation science, 
visit us on the web at www.icr.org. That's www.icr.org. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today is Gary Ka, founder and director of Hope for the World. Emphasis, folks, on hope, okay? So we're talking about a lot of dark things that are happening in our world. But don't, don't rest there. Don't park there, friends, because there is hope that's found in Jesus Christ, hope that is found in his word. We have the blessed hope to look forward to as well. Uh, we are called upon to be active agents as salt and light in this world. So stay with us, friends. We want to tell you what's going on in this world, but also I'll leave you with hope as well. Uh, Gary, we're just starting to get into, we have have these, these agencies, uh, uh, agendas that are being followed the uh, 2030 agenda, which you alluded to here just before the break, uh, talking about these uh, conferences that are taking place, one just a week ago, more that are coming up, but uh, you were just about ready to get into a quote and more information, so let me just turn the microphone over to you here at this point. All right, yes, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres uh, laid out the strategic purpose of this meeting that took place on the 18th and 19th, that was Monday and Tuesday of last week, he says, and I quote, the transformation envisioned by the 2030 agenda remains both possible and essential. We have never had access to so much knowledge, technologies, and resources. What is needed now is a surge in commitment from governments and stakeholders to take implementation to the next level. And I couldn't have said it better myself. He just spelled it out there. You know, they, they want to really push this now. They've got the pieces in place. They're ready to lunge forward. He then goes on uh, to name three different things specifically that they want to do uh, and accomplish at this meeting. And so I'm just going to s- select a few quotes here from him. He says, first, decisive action must be taken to better support developing countries. Last October, I called on the Group of 20, G20, to deliver an SDG stimulus by massively scaling up financing to at least $500 billion per year through long-term lending at lower interest rates, debt relief, and the creation of a robust and effective sovereign debt resolution mechanism, expanding contingency financing to countries in need and driving both public and private investment towards the SDGs. And uh, this is actually an effort, he goes on to call it, to reform the international financial architecture. This is a restructuring. It, it, it's really a redistribution of income because in a second point, he goes a little bit further. He says, second, at the summit, I urge world leaders to convey a national commitment to SDG transformation. This could include clear benchmarks to reduce domestic poverty and inequality levels by 2027 and 2030, in tandem with nationally determined climate contributions. So all this taking place in the name of of climate change. And they have to jump through some hoops to get it to do that. But that's what they're proposing. Uh, All these changes are going to take place somehow because of the environment. He goes on to say policy commitments to drive the energy, food, digital, and social transactions that will make those benchmarks possible could also be outlined. Third. He says, delivery of the 2030 agenda requires the strengthening of public trust and the full participation of a wide range of stakeholders. They use that word a lot, stakeholders. And by that, I believe they're referring primarily to their allies within the World Economic Forum and the world's most powerful financial elite. He wraps up the quote, I urge all countries to fully engage their domestic constituencies particularly civil society and the private sector in their summit preparations. So there you have it. So the repeated emphasis on the acceleration of the 2030 agenda really stands out. And everything that the U.N. has been putting out and also in the the speeches and writings of U.N. Secretary General uh, Guterres, uh, it's clearly an agenda. They have a set timetable. 
uh, you know, people who've been accused of conspiracy theories regarding all this, you know, they're telling you now what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah. It's, it's out in the open. It really is. And, the, friends, this happened just, just a week ago, and these statements that were coming forth from him in that regard. But, Gary, there's another meeting that's coming up uh, known as COP28, the uh, cl- another one of the U.N. climate change conferences. Yeah, uh, COP, C-O-P, stands for Conference of the Parties, and this was their 28th such uh, conference. So officially it was called the COP28, the 2023 UN Climate Change Conference. Um, And this is future tense. This is going to be held in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, um, between November 30th and December 12th of this year. So they're already beginning to gear up for that meeting, building on the foundation that was laid at the meeting that just ended uh, last week. That was intended to be a momentum builder. And just a, a few um, few interesting details here. Now, folks, buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> okay. Sultan Ahmed Al-Jaber, the Minister of Industry and Advanced Technology and the United Arab Emirates Special Envoy for Climate Change, has been appointed as the COP28 president-designate. In a letter to the parties dated July of 2023, the incoming president announced that COP28 will focus on four paradigm shifts. And the two most major ones uh, are fast-tracking the energy transition and slashing emissions before 2030, mm-hmm. again, that, that date, and transforming climate finance by delivering on old promises and setting the framework for a new deal on finance. Again, we're looking at some kind of restructuring in the global financial architecture. And they use different terminology uh, to describe that. Uh, But this is a big part of of these meetings. Um, Even though uh, COP28 will be held in the United Arab Emirates, the United Kingdom is expected to have a significant say in matters, and here's why. Unbeknownst to most people, King Charles is viewed as the de facto leader of the global environmental movement and has come to play a very pivotal role at these meetings. In fact, uh, you're old enough, Jim, to remember the Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit back mm-hmm. in the early 90s. Yep. Remember that? I do. Mm-hmm. That, that launched the whole climate change agenda publicly. Privately, it was going on for a good 10 to 15 years before that, but that's when it went public. And the major players in that, at that conference and leading up to it, who did organizing for it, were Prince Charles, Mikhail Gorbachev, Stephen Rockefeller, and Maurice Strong. And Al Gore liked to think he was an important part of that, and he was as far as propaganda uh, matters were concerned uh, as it pertained to the United States. Uh, but the four others were, were the main uh, organizers and player in all this. Prince Charles's contributions were so great in making all of that possible and, and um, accelerating that agenda that they built a statue of him in his honor. And it, I actually had to laugh when I, when I saw a picture of it. He looks like Mr. Atlas, I mean, with, <laughs> with rippling, rip, you know, rippling muscles, yeah. and, and, but it's his face on top of it. Hmm. And he was flown to Brazil uh, when they unveiled the statue to honor him in the name of climate change. Um, and, and ever since, he's been very much in, involved in, in all of this. Now, along with that, Pope Francis has come into a close alliance with those at the forefront of this movement as well, including King Charles. To make matters even more interesting, Israel leaders will be at COP28. And the last I heard, and this could change because it's still a few months away, but there could be a delegation of close to 1,000 from Israel being there. It may be the largest uh, delegation. This is a really big deal because Israel's leaders are being invited to an Arab country in a friendly kind of way for the first time. And so I just pray that they don't fall into this trap that's being laid. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on because uh, the nations of the world are going to be watching. This is going to be a huge event. It's going to get tons of media coverage. Um, also, most people aren't aware of this. Israel signed 
uh, a bilateral agreement with the U.K. back in March, March 21st of this year, that promises Israel a type of security in exchange for its support of this climate uh, agenda, and I believe possibly specifically regarding these upcoming resolutions. The official COP28 global mandates will go into effect on December 13th, the day after this meeting ends, and will launch a seven-year plan for full implementation by the end of 2030. Wow. Again, 2030, this you know, seven-year plan leading up to it. So they want everything completely done in place by 2030. And um, COP28, more than any meeting, will uh, kind of be the launching pad for that. Um, one more thing worth pointing out. Uh, a special interfaith compound in Abu Dhabi, uh, in the United Arab Emirates, uh, called the Abrahamic Family House, opened in February after about three years of construction. And this is going to be very instrumental in promoting global unity of religions at COP28. And the Pope has been heavily involved, along with Ahmed Al-Taib, uh, the top Islamic cleric from Egypt, in developing this, this complex and mm-hmm. overseeing it. So it has their thumbprints all over it. And it's operational uh, now, Gary? Uh, say that again? It's operational now? It is operational since February. Mm-hmm. It's done. And so you've got uh, a Jewish synagogue, an Islamic mosque, and a Christian church all on one compound, similar architectures, but yet looking distinctly different from each other, and then a convention center there uh, where um, interfaith organizations can, can hold conferences pro- promoting the global unity of religions. And this is in, in Abu Dhabi, which is just a short distance from Dubai, as both of those cities are in the United Arab Emirates. So it's a coming together of the political, the economic, the religious, all in one spot to celebrate global unity, all in the name of the environment. This is the big unifier. So, um, and, and, and something else, and I mentioned this in... in and, let me, and let me just repeat, so, so just a couple of weeks, last week we had this, uh, you know, the one big summit taking place. Coming up at the end of this year, late November, early December, is number two. That's what we were just talking about, uh, mm-hmm. the, the second big event. But you've got a third conference coming up in September of next year. A third, a third conference, and let me just wrap up this second one real quick, because okay. I wanted to add one more thing in there. This is so important. Um, a new interfaith partnership with the United Nations Environment Program, that's UNEP, has been announced, uh, initiated by the Muslim Council of Elders in consultation with the Vatican. Wow. So the Vatican is working at the highest levels with the top Islamic leaders of the world and with the top people in the United Nations Environmental Program. The goal is to work with UNEP's Faith for Earth Coalition, that's the actual name of it, Faith for Earth Coalition, and bringing a stronger interfaith perspective to the United Nations COP28 Climate Conference uh, later this year. So, again, there's so many moving parts in this, but all of them are uh, important and we need to be aware of them. Now, the third conference I want to emphasize is going to be next September, September 2024. Uh, it's already known to globalists as the Summit of the Future, and it's expected to be the most important U.N. globalization gathering to date, if you will, the capstone event. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the Federalist, which first broke this news, so I want to give them credit, they said that at this meeting, member nations will adopt a pact for the future. So this will be beyond the environment. It will include the environment and build on that, but it's going to cover just about every aspect of, of, of life on our planet. And let me just interrupt you there, Gary, because we're up against a break. Gary Kaz with us. And folks, we're talking about that third conference for September of 2024 called the Summit of the Future. We'll tell you more about it after the break. You're listening to Crosstalk. There is a movement to propel humanity toward a advanced level of existence. Those seeking to change the culture of society are on a rapid trajectory, aggressively touting the extremely powerful capabilities of AI. Artificial intelligence and transhumanism. The ultimate goal of the elite is to obtain immortality and become gods. In the book, Artificial Intelligence... 
Transhumanism and the De-Evolution of Democracy, pastor and Bible prophecy speaker Dr. Richard Schmitz unfolds his extensive research and documents revealing information unveiling the agenda of those pursuing this technology for evil. You'll also see how these technological advancements fit hand in glove with biblical prophecy and one known as Antichrist. The book, Artificial Intelligence, available for a donation of $18, call 1-800-729-9829. Friends, these are things not made up. They were not just stretching to try and pull these things together. No, there's a concerted effort, a push toward tyranny and world government. Gary's unleashing the framework. They've got whole websites, folks. You can delve into this hour after hour looking into it. Uh, groups like the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, uh, the, the links uh, are just endless as to where they're going. Gary is just outlining for us what they are putting out publicly. Statements that they have made publicly in addresses and and things that they're posting on their websites. And we're talking right now about some of these conferences uh, taking place, one just a week ago, one coming up later this year, one planned for September of 2024 called the Summit of the Future. And we were just in the midst of talking about this, Gary, when that uh, break came upon us. So go ahead and pick up where you left off, if you would. All right. Um, Yeah, there are numerous radical proposals uh, in this agenda uh, that they're working toward for next September at, at the Summit of the Future. But the one that stands out the most, that's really the centerpiece, is a United Nations plan for a new emergency platform. Hmm. Uh, they use that term a lot in, in preparation for this meeting. And this is a proposal to give the U.N. significant powers in the event of any type of future global shock, whether it's a worldwide pandemic or something else. Many of the details of the UN sought-after emergency uh, platform were first presented last March in a policy paper, and this is a long name, but the name of the paper was Strengthening the International Response to Complex Global Shocks Dash an Emergency Platform, end (laughs) quote. So this policy paper gives several examples of what could extend emergency authority to the U.N. if all of this is approved. Mm-hmm. The list includes a major climate event, future pandemic developments, mm, a global digital connectivity disruption, and by that I assume they mean like a cyber attack or EMP strike. They also mention a major event in outer space, among other unforeseen risks. So that's in, in, in their own words. Um, in the paper, U.N. Secretary General Guterres declares, and I quote, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the United Nations system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach, end quote. And uh, that, as it's explained, would give the U.N. the ability to drive an international response uh, that would basically, you know, uh, force whatever they want to upon the people of the world. Also, once enacted, the U.N. could extend its emergency powers for as long as it deems necessary. So that's that's key in all this, too. In other words, it's not just for a month or two. Uh, Once this takes place, it could be indefinite. So a lot going on there. and um, You know, uh, there is, and we have a president that is pushing us toward that end as well. And, and uh, Gary, I see the clock is going faster here upon us, but I, we need to mention a part of this is this global pandemic treaty. We came very close uh, this past uh, May uh, to see this pass with these addendums and, and amendments and so forth that would really force nations to surrender sovereignty like the United States. But uh, as as uh, we certainly saw victory in not having this passed last May, it's very much is on a front burner here for May of 2024. That's right. That's when the 77th World Health Assembly is going to convene. Uh, they always have their meetings in Geneva, Switzerland, and they are confident that by the next meeting, and again, the World Health Assembly is under the World Health Organization. It's their basically their executive committee. And they want to have everything in place. They're just making some small tweaks to it. 
and they expect it uh, to be voted on and implemented, officially approved and global implementation of this treaty next May. So everything's moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless a miracle happens between now and then, uh, this will probably get done. And the Biden administration has been very much involved in all of this, so don't expect them to stand in the way of it. Um, So the European nations, uh, some of them have already begun implementing a digital global health passport that is to be part of all of this. Denmark is the furthest along in this process. Um, I I think the rest of Europe is uh, coming uh, closely behind them. Possibly there could be an announcement made on January 1st of 2024 regarding uh, a required digital passport in Europe. We'll see if that actually happens or not. I'm not making a prediction. It's just that some of the uh, people at the forefront of this, that's what they're pushing for. Um, Michelle Bachman has done a great job yeah. covering uh, specifically what is taking place with the World Health Assembly because she was over there at their meeting in May. Um, the only conservative that I know of who's been speaking out strongly on this who was actually there and, and got a firsthand look at it, and she said that a personal QR code will be assigned to every person and, and will be part of one's digital ID. So you'll need a digital ID, a QR code to do just about anything if, if all this uh, goes through and they're pushing hard on it. So that's kind of an overview, yeah. and I know I, I threw a lot out there. So really four meetings taking place over the course of the next year that if all of this gets implemented uh, within the next 18 months or so, um, the whole world's going to change. Yeah, but that, the question is, what are we? You know, the United States of America, a sovereign nation, a constitutional republic, how are we going to respond to all of this? Well, that's that's the big question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm laying all this out there not to scare people, but just to speak the truth and make uh, Christians mm-hmm. and conservatives aware of what is being planned so that we can respond uh, accordingly. Um, I, I think if, if they launch another pandemic on us, I think that alone this time won't be enough. I think a lot of people are going to push back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're going to say, you know, um, if you're fooled once, uh, it, it's on uh, the person doing the fooling, but fool me twice and mm-hmm. shame on me, you know, mm-hmm. the, the old saying as it goes. And I think a lot of people, I'd say at least 30 or 40 percent of Americans are going to push back hard this time. So I, I don't think that a pandemic is going to be enough. I think they're going to try some other things by really putting uh, economic pressure on and um, the whole climate ag- agenda, tightening the screws on, on that end. And if need be, uh, possibly getting us deeper and deeper involved in this war with Ukraine, which I, I personally believe, unless something changes, we're headed toward World War III, and that may be part of the, the plan here. So the question then is, okay, how do we respond to all this manipulation, to these agendas that are all part, ultimately, of this push toward 2030 and, and global governance? And I, I lay this out in my article um, uh, I, I think the Lord has been more than, I know the Lord has been more than faithful to give us time to prepare for the, the stretch ahead. And so he's been very gracious, and there's still things that we can do even now uh, to prepare at least as much as we can. Um, in our winter issue, we put out a list of approximately 30 items that would be good to have on hand in case our power grid crashes. And mm-hmm. I put this off, I put this off because I didn't want people to get so caught up in this that they don't take stock of their spiritual lives. You know, we've all seen people kind of just run with all the physical preparations Mm -hmm. and not be prepared spiritually. But we got so many requests from people saying, I am walking with the Lord. I'm doing spiritually what I need to to be prepared. But can, can you please give us some tips on what to do physically to prepare because we know hard times are coming. So we put together this um, this list, and people can access it at our website um, and uh, uh, just hover over um, on, on the um, on our homepage, hover over the update center, and then you'll uh, see 
a list of items to have during a crisis situation. Mm -hmm. You can click on that, and that will be helpful. Also, as the Lord leads, selectively, and I say selectively, as the Lord leads, contact your federal, state, and local elected officials, urging them not to support any actions that would empower further the U.N. and the World Health Organization. And I say selectively because some of our elected officials are on the other side. They're already part of this agenda. And if you telegraph to them where you stand on things, they're going to put you on a list, and it's not going to do any good because they've already decided where they are. Mm -hmm. But there are some decent elected officials still who aren't aware fully of this whole agenda uh, that I believe might take a stand if they uh, uh, realize to what extent the U.N. is going. Michelle Bachman's been doing her best uh, to uh, convey these developments to some of her former colleagues in Congress, but one problem she's encountered is they're so busy right now with all these investigations, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, I mean, Jim Jordan, for example, has been doing an excellent job getting to the bottom of the corruption of the Biden administration. How can he take on <clears throat> one more thing? You know, a lot of these people, they're, they're maxed mm -hmm. out. They're working night and day doing what they can. Uh, and yet, um, we've got all these meetings uh, taking place at the UN, the World Health Organization, that if they have their way, they're going to strip us of our freedoms within the next 18 months. So yeah. we've got to do our best uh, using discernment uh, to get in touch with some of our congressional um, leaders as well as local officials, and I stress that. Because here in Indiana, our sheriffs were able to stand in the gap recently when our governor uh, made a power grab um, uh, during the, the whole COVID um, uh, mess. And, and, and so our local sheriff in our county was the first one to stick his neck out. He said, no, I'm not going to allow this. It's unconstitutional. Within a day or two, about 30 or 40 other sheriffs joined in. Then the Indiana General Assembly got bold, and they said, nope, we're not going to allow this either. So Indiana stayed largely open through COVID, much like Florida. But you look at other states, they were completely shut down. So don't underestimate your local leaders, both in your General Assembly uh, in, in, in the states, but also the sheriffs. Know your local sheriff, who they are. Keep them informed and apply some pleasant pressure upon them. Uh, regarding keeping us a free um, county and, 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 and region. And Gary, we're just 90 seconds from break. I do want you to comment on the aspect of, of prayer and, and a spiritual commitment here as well. Absolutely. I mean, we have to do what we can spiritually regarding prayer. Fasting and praying and getting tight with the Lord, walking in step with Him, that's the number one thing that we need to be doing right now, because if we don't hear the voice of the Lord clearly uh, and the Holy Spirit directing us, we may end up going in the wrong direction on all this. So we don't want to come across like a raving lunatic who's out of control and talking to people about this who aren't going to believe anything. We've got to be discerning who we share this with, the circumstances under which we share, and how we go about sharing it. And we better be able to document whatever we say. And, and that's where we've put our time, and that's why I wrote this article. Uh, hopefully this will be of help to people. And friends, uh, GaryCod.org. You can read the full article he's put out, much more than what we've covered here at GaryCod.org. Gary, you also have a, web, uh, a newsletter on your website that listeners can subscribe to as well? Yes, Hope for the World Update. We put that out quarterly. It's usually 16 or 20 pages and uh, typically has about 10 articles in it on the cutting edge of these, these types of global developments that we're talking about right here. So it is subscription-based, and that's how we're able to support ourselves to keep doing what we do. So we hope that people will take advantage of that. GaryCod.org and Cod spelled K-A-H. Friends, for the final segment, we will open our phone lines. If you have a question or just a brief comment, our number 800-733-9829. 800-733-9829. Friends, keep in mind, our hope is in the Lord. Okay? Let's not get caught up in fright and fear. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. We'll be right back. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Last week, Joe Biden signed an executive order creating a climate change core. It's a youth core. 
And one of the groups behind it has been the Sunrise Movement. This is an organization we've been covering since 2020. It is a Marxist organization that works with many radical Islamists as well. And their goal is not just green energy. That's a masking term. Their goal by their own website says is to take away our Second Amendment rights and to get rid of all fossil fuels. They also want mandatory jobs. In other words, a guaranteed job. They want to stack the American government with radical Marxists that have been trained through their program. And now they're asking to start with for $10 billion. Please understand, they're going after your children and grandchildren with this program to put Marxist into the government after they've been trained through our schools. You don't want this funded by the federal government. Stay tuned. Friends, there's so much more that can be said on these issues here and uh, even getting into the conditioning that's going on for people to accept digital ID and cashless uh, systems and so forth. Uh, there's a lot there. Gary's got a lot to say on that topic as well, but we're going to get to some phone calls uh, right now. We're going to begin with uh, Dominique from McWanago, Wisconsin. Dominique, you're on the air. Um, Gary, I was appreciating what you were talking about with discernment there at the end and just wondering if you um, could give any insight into this um, FEMA national test on October 4th at 122 Central Time. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot of variety of different reports yeah. and what you should do. And I just wondered, you know, when we really know that there are people that are trying to, you know, annihilate and destroy and, you, you know, depopulate, there, you know, we know that there really are those enemies, but um, I don't want to jump to some kind of... Yeah. Let me have yeah. Gary comment on that, Dominique, and I, I'll just say this. As a as a broadcast outlet, the, we have gone through many years of national EAS test, the emergency alert system test um, that's that's been happening, as, but it's been intensifying, especially I believe this is the second time for, for the uh, personal devices as well, like cell phones and so forth as well. Uh, but uh, Gary, your, your comment on this issue. Well, I... You know, the the last chapter in my book, In Roots of Global Occupation, was titled The Coming World Crisis. And I have believed from the beginning that at some point the powers that be would, would lunge a, just a, a huge crisis upon us and it, that it might take that in order to get people to embrace this new world order, this global governing system in the name of... of um, uh, bringing about law and order and keeping peace in the world and that type of thing. The only question to me has been what form that crisis will take. Uh, Will it be um, in the form of a a sudden um, escalation of of a war uh, where all of a sudden there's an EMP strike on our country that shuts everything down or or a cyber attack or limited nuclear strike or is it going to be a major financial collapse um, or you know, uh, uh, something worse than than the last COVID crisis. Uh, These people thrive on crises. Mm -hmm. Um, They realize that they move their head forward much more easily on the heels of a crisis. And and so, you know, I I don't want people to be afraid and alarmed, but yet we do need to be prepared because we're dealing with some evil forces here. And um, whether it happens, you know, Mm -hmm. something happens this October or, or next year or the year after, we don't know. We know the Lord knows, and and so that's why we need to be walking in step with Him. And and when we do, even in difficult circumstances, we have the peace of God that passes understanding. And and it's just an amazing thing that we can know about this information and still have godly peace. And and He helps us to think clearly in crisis situations when the rest of the world other people are falling apart. And that's why we've got to be prepared as Christians to be level-headed, not lose our cool, and and be prepared uh, to act. And this is something to pray into for yeah. all of us, for everyone Indeed. listening right now, that if an emergency crisis does occur, whether next month or down the road, uh, that we would um, operate in such a way with integrity that people around us would be amazed at how calm we're able to be, and that we have been prepared, and we can uh, help lead other people in the right direction when that time comes. Okay, we got to move on. Thank you, Dominique. John is next. You're on the air. Hello. My question is, how did it get to this point? These idiots, excuse me, these people, quote-unquote, are unelected. And how did it get this far? Um, Is it 
I tell you what, we got your question. Gary, a, a brief answer here, if you would. Yeah, um, I, I know that uh, people belonging to secret societies have been involved in this for a long time. That's where the term the New World Order originated, and, and also the New Age, like the, as in the New Age movement. And, and so the higher-ups in these various secret orders have been pushing this behind the scenes for years, getting the pieces together, and it's only more recently gone public, because at some point it has to go public if they're going to implement this. You can't keep it uh, quiet and secret forever, and we're in that phase now, that implementation phase. So this goes right to the top of our political organizations, many of our religious leaders also involved in, in pushing for the global unification of religions, uh, in promoting the environmental agenda, and, and so it, it's across the board, economic, political, and religious, and it's in the final stage. Yeah, Gary has been tracking this for decades, and, and he's been watching it uh, mature in all of this, and and certainly uh, we saw the response to the COVID crisis just put the accent mark on all of this, but it's been underway for some time, but we're just really seeing its emphasis now. Uh, much is coming I would to say, a head. Jim, real quick, too, if people want to see the documentation for how this has progressed mm-hmm. and specifically which organizations have been involved in it and the names of, of some of those leaders and and uh, see it fully documented and even some documents reproduced, uh, you need to get my first book, En Route to Global Occupation. And you can get it at our website. It's been out for 32 years yeah. And again, fully documented, and and you'll be surprised. The things that I was warning about back then, it's happening now. Thank you, John. Brian is next. You're on the air, Brian. Yeah, uh, Gary, I got a question. What can we do, like, if the integrity of the voting process is in doubt or a big question? What can we do? It's very difficult, but if if um, uh, you're say with the Republican Party becoming a precinct committeeman, getting involved. And uh, being there on site, um, I know my, my wife's uh, father was a Republican precinct committeeman for years and helped oversee the process to make sure everything is honest and fair. But by people being lazy and by Christians sometimes saying we shouldn't be involved in politics, it, it allowed all these other people to come in and they run the show in a lot of cases. So, it, you know, it, it, to, to an extent, it's our own fault. We've got to be involved at the local level. I know from our church, we've had a couple people run for office recently and win, and they're making an impact here locally, and our sheriff as well, who is a Christian. So we've got to break it down, and it's got to be grassroots. Uh, it's got to be grassroots, and, and if enough people are able to get in, uh, we can make a difference there. But I, th- I was telling Jim um, during the break, a lot of this, I believe, uh, Brian, is going to unfold on a state-by-state basis. There are states that are on to what's going on, and they're putting measures in place. Christy Nome, for example, in South Dakota said she's going to nix the, the um, uh, digital currency. She sees where this is going. She came out. She was the first one to stick her neck out and, yep. and warn people about it. Oh. And other governors are also are beginning to do that, but they're in a minority. Gary, we're going to have to leave it there. We are out of time. Gary Cott, our guest here today on Crosstalk. Story to other callers on hold. Uh, GaryCod.org, K-A-H is how you spell the last name, GaryCod.org. Gary, thanks for being with us. You bet. Thank you, Jim. And friends, keep in mind, the most important aspect is not who occupies the White House, it's who occupies your heart. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Take Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.